Welcome back to the latest and the greatest of the Blue Brothers Sportscast. I'm Caleb, and with me as always is Craig. We bring you Michigan football each and every week. It's gonna get. It's gonna take me a little while to get used to the music. Yeah, is that an official change? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, we had the same music for uh, what was it like three years? Over three years. So I figured, why not? Yeah. So. I dig it. Yeah, I feel like it fits. I feel like it does a pretty good job. So, but. Yeah little old school there rock yeah still upbeat yeah a good riff always a good riff right yeah Ah. gotta gotta rock out a little bit kind of song you put the you know get the wind the roll the uh, windows down and right listen to us oh yeah probably turn us off but listen to the music (laughs) Yeah, so, they just they just play the intro music over and over again. Yeah, and then they go, oh, those two are talking, and I'll just shut it off. So. <laughs> oh. He's doing it on a loop. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are here after another weekend of football. A uh, lot to talk about, a lot to review. Um, where was it, though? I thought there was something. Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. Yeah, I've got uh, – so we always kind of like – mix up a little bit we have a little discussion before we get break down things down for the game or for the preview and so to do an intro before the football talk i've got more football talk for us to discuss so i've got a question for you craig all right i've seen i've seen this sprinkle around a little bit through the first three weeks of college football and i want to ask your opinion on do you I'm trying to think if I should ask you how you'd feel or what your opinion is. Um, what, what's your opinion? Should college football get rid of neutral site regular season games? Neutral site regular season games. So the Ohio State TCU, the Michigan-Alabama game that was uh, previous back in, what, 2013 or whatever it was, Um and however other it was alabama usc or something like that alabama louisville um it seems like a repetitive thing of alabama 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 um do you think college football should get rid of that for the regular season where it's a neutral site game um boy that's a Regular season, because uh, because, I'm not saying anything about postseason. So this is just. Oh, I hear. Um, My opinion, and I'm kind of leaning towards more and more. It's actually a good question that I'm thinking of that. um, I would say I would lean towards getting rid of it because of the very fact is um, I'm going to bring up one game of an as an example is the Auburn game at the beginning. I think it was Auburn against Miami. Um, and Auburn won that game. Well, that was on a neutral site, I believe. Uh, I, I think I'm right. But um, that was the very first game. Well, Auburn took it to Miami, but it was a neutral site. But it was still mostly almost <laughs> – I think they said like almost – Oh, way over half, like maybe 70, 80% was Auburn fans. So it did, really did no good. So 
it really wasn't a neutral site. And part of me thinks neutral sites almost say, yeah, but if you have a big fan base like Ohio State, even Michigan, Alabama, people that travel well, even Tennessee, even though they're not a very great football team, they travel well. And they're going to load these stadiums up because they have bigger fan base outside of their own state. Um, you take a, a team like Michigan State, yeah, they're a good, great, they're a good team. But outside of Michigan, they're not. They're, their fan base isn't big, and so they're not going to get the you know a lot of their fans coming to those games at all. They did um, get a lot for the they ASU did game. State, right? Yeah, yeah, they did. They had a lot of Arizona State, but I'm saying. You know, just being you and I being in the market, um, you know, especially me, I'm in the market of uh, college football or college in general. That's what I do for a living as far as knowing what trends and market and who does well. But there's certain teams that just seem to travel better than others uh, as a fan base. And um, I would just say really doesn't. I don't get why they do it. I don't think it makes. I think it makes kind of a difference just because of that. And I just think just going to – I think switching off and on, going to a team's home and then coming back and having a away game and then home and away is the better bet. So. Yeah, I agree. And um, that uh, – you brought you brought up a lot of different uh, aspects to it and all good valid points. For instance, it seems like Alabama doesn't play oh, – I think I did the – looked at it and Alabama doesn't play a true road game for gosh, I think it's like yeah. five years or something like that. They yeah. play home games and then they uh, go and play neutral site games. And it's always, I want to say almost a hundred percent of the time, it's a shorter distance for them because they yeah. go between AT&T stadium and they go to Atlanta and places like that. It's a shorter distance for them bringing in Michigan or USC or West Virginia and things like that. So, um, but that, that wasn't really the point. And the thing that got me thinking about this, the thing that got me thinking about this is how much it messes and, and not saying that I love college game day. Uh, I mean, it's got, it's good things. It's got, it's bad things. Um, but as far, uh, they, somebody posted something and it may have been college game day. Um, but they were essentially talking about how, you miss out on the opportunity because you have college game day when they knew neutral site games, or at least what they did for the TCU game, because TCU isn't all that far away from uh, the AT&T stadium. I mean, when you put things in comparison to most neutral site games. Right. And so they did part of their show from TCU, but then they did the game at the AT&T stadium. So it's just kind of like, yeah, okay, the show's going to do that, and certain people will be at one or the other, but it's just it's just a weird thing to me, you know? Yeah. And and I definitely agree with you where it'd be a lot better. Um, and, and it's the college football, sorry, college football atmosphere to be on college campuses. Right, right. So. Yeah, exactly. And, and the fans and the students and, you know, just say, hey, we get – our team to play this team at home uh finally and then next game next year will be away and this year it's yeah it's a nice trade-off so yeah so um j just a small conversation there i mean it's nothing 
nothing huge earth shattering or anything, but I do find it. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and to bring up the point is, is part of me thinks doesn't, if you're doing a neutral site and you beat, let's say you play a ranked team and you beat them or what you're both ranked and you beat the team and you play at a neutral site, doesn't, doesn't that, does it take into account in the rankings? I mean, if you're in a neutral site, let's say you go to Ohio State and you beat Ohio State like Oklahoma did. Man, that count that was a huge win for Oklahoma, especially at the horseshoe in a, such a tough place to play with most, like 100% of their fans are there. There's bar- barely any Oklahoma fans there. And such a hostile place to play and win and beat them good there. Man, that accounts for a lot. But if you go to a neutral site, it just seems like the win, yeah, it's a great win, but not as much as it is to go to a place and go into their home turf. Yeah. I think it should affect the, in the rankings myself. Yeah, and I have no idea if it does or how it does, but, yeah, that's that's a good point and everything. So, I don't know. I just think that, you know, it's the regular season. It should be – you know, on a college campus, this is college football, you know, it, that's what makes it so unique. Com- uh, one of the things that makes it so unique compared to pro football, that this is college campus. This is, and of course, I mean, you don't have to be a college student to be a fan or anything, but that's part of the thing that kind of helps build the excitement. You know, you're on a on campus, you have a ton of people there um, who are supporting the team and everything. And there's a certain, um, Shoot, looking for a specific word, but uh, vibe—that's not the right yeah. word. Anyways, there's a, there's a certain uh, thing about it with being on that college campus compared to a neutral neutral site game. Right. So yeah, that was just something that I wanted to bring up because I saw a conversation kind of start with that. So, mm-hmm. but uh, we've got plenty to talk about with uh, Michigan football too and everything. So we will go ahead and move on over and keep this discussion moving. All right, so here we are after another weekend of games. We'll start with the Michigan game, of course, as we break things down. Um, I don't think it turned out quite like anyone expected. Uh, I mean, there was... There was quite a bit of good there, and of course, there's always things to build upon. But the final score of the game uh, was Michigan 45, SMU 20. Uh, obviously, a little bit surprising uh, that the SMU offense was able to find as much success as it did. Um, but then it uh, it was still I don't know. It was still a decent uh, – it was a good offensive performance. Uh, I mean, and not saying that they played a perfect game or anything, but kind of stepping away from this game, you know, looking looking back at it. Mm-hmm. I'm, And, of course, this is one game, so I'm not, I'm not saying, like, everybody panic. But it gives you – it gave you the feeling that, hey, I feel better about the Michigan offense than I do about the Michigan defense. Yeah. Would you say that? Yeah, yeah, I could say that. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it, like I said, it was one game, and there were there were a couple things that were uh, totally, you know, botched. Uh, 
um, by the by the defense. But I mean, that's the thing too. It's like if you do that against any team, you're going to get burnt. So right. right. So it's not good to see it. So I'm not saying like making excuses or anything. But yeah, you kind of if you watch this, if you only watched this game for Michigan this season so far, you'd be like, wow, the offense is looking pretty good. But that defense, man, they they need to get their act together. Yeah, certain parts of the game, yeah, they should, certainly did. But, uh, I mean, right from the very start of the game, you and I talked about, um, um, well, you know, well, think about this. Is SMU also is the same team that held TCU to no score, too, they, you know, in the first quarter. So, and you know how TCU did against uh, Ohio State. TCU is an excellent team. So, SMU we talked about that defensive line, the, the linebackers for SMU. They're actually really good. <laughs> and we talked about that, and I think they did their job quite well in this entire game. So I really do. Yeah, and I think the uh, – because I compared SMU to Western uh, in the preview for this game. And I'll say this much um, – the SMU defense is better than Western. Oh yeah. I, but yeah, very much so. I don't really know if I would say that there's a huge difference between the SMU offense and the Western offense. I mean, yeah, looking at it, you're going to say, well, of course the SMU offense is better, but as far as, you know, saying that Western can only put up three points, but SMU puts up 20. Now granted seven, seven of those points were, was one terrible blown play. Right. But. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, they when they forced the, you know, Michigan right in the beginning, what they go three and out, um, says a lot because I think Michigan wanted to dominate the offensive line and and see how SMU is going to stack up against our offense and their defensive line, and and they actually did a really really good job, and I believe the next time. We are on. The, I think we're like six plays back when we got the ball back. We had six plays on the field, and we um, were driving down, and we couldn't punch it in. And that's. I think that's when Shea Patterson threw the interception. So, you know, there's a lot of things um, at play that I think in the very beginning um, there's some concerns talking about Michigan and their very ability to come up with creative ways of being, you know, of playmaking and having plays that work with the offense. And that's the part about in this game in the very beginning, the first quarter that made me wonder in a way what's going on. Because if you see, you know, seven plays right out of the gate and they're all in I formation, you know, they're going to run the ball unless you're going to have a you know tight end roll out and you throw a screen pass to them. But I didn't see that. I saw a lot of I formations and a lot of a runs through B hole and that's how it works. And I, me, I'm like, I, I, I'm like, my question would be to you, Caleb, is when you know you were there, you're at the press box. Did you think, did you think Mick Harbaugh was doing it un- intentionally to, to exert his pop, you know, trying to f- feel out what SMU is about and to see if they can stop the I formation? What did you see there? I mean, did you see that they had no creative plays or? What were they doing? Were they trying to mentally figure out this team or what? I I don't know. It's so tough because we had this dialogue last year too 
where we're just like, yeah. oh, well, they're they're saving plays. Uh, yeah. You know, they're not opening up the whole playbook. They're right. they're um, they're not showing everything. Yeah, right. and and I always kind of believe that to a certain a uh, certain degree because um, uh, you saw the huge difference that we saw in the Ohio State game last year. Right. Um, I right. mean, it was it was uh, it seemed like a completely different setup, and it went very well for. A majority of that game and for us being obviously the lesser team in that matchup uh, mostly due to the offense situation uh we hung in there but for this stuff it's like i don't know i mean i i honestly believe that there are certain plays that they're not really going to because they don't need to but i mean do people go back to notre dame the notre dame game and be like oh yeah we didn't open up the playbook uh, you know, we just accepted of the loss. Right. That's a loss. Yeah, it's just like, so, uh, and I don't see Jim Harbaugh being that. Kind. Now, of course, obviously, if there are plays that they still haven't gotten to, um, they also didn't get to them in in the Notre Dame game. But it, it's, it's weird because then you're kind of getting on the lines of like, well, you know, were you throwing a, your best game out there? Um, Again, at, yeah at the risk of losing. That's, that's the Notre Dame game, but right. I, I feel like I'm a little scattered here, but I don't know. I kind of, I, I don't want to go back to believing that dialogue right off the, uh, right off the bat because people are saying, Oh, well, it's just going to get better because they're going to play different, uh, call different plays. And while I believe part of that, but it's just like, there are some basics that are still going to be the same, no matter what play calls you get, which is one, uh, offensive line or the line. Like the defensive line and the uh, offensive line, they're still going to be blocking and rushing, even though you're changing the plays and maybe how they attack and everything. It still comes down to how well you can rush as a defensive line or how well you can block as an offensive line. Like it doesn't matter. Uh, like if you move people around, yeah, that's going to change a little bit, but you still have to have the ability to block. If you cannot block with basic plays that you're essentially saying that they're putting out right now, then you're right. not going to be able to do it with other special plays that they add later on. Right. Especially with the eye formation and run plays like that. They're definitely driven to run. Yeah. And so they, they blocked. Okay. I, they blocked. Well, I mean, they're, they're doing right. uh, a lot better than they did last year, but nothing is sitting me as uh, I'm not sitting there and looking at it. I mean, like, wow, we just played Western and we played SMU and the offensive line let that, crap happen you know right i mean this is this is when you want to see you feel like you should see more control at the line of scrimmage Mm -hmm. because you're playing these you know however you want to say it lesser inferior whatever teams that don't have the lines that you're going to be going up against later now yeah sure you could say okay well they're going to uh speed up the plays so that they don't have to hold on to the ball that long and things like that I saw some good things, so I feel okay with it, but it's just kind of, I feel I don't, uh, and I'll repeat myself again here. I don't want to repeat what happened in 2017 where I was just like, oh yeah, you know, it'll be fine because all this stuff is going to change and it's the exact same thing. 
No, exactly. And that's where, you know, you're kind of taking the words out of my mouth. It's like going, are we doing on repeat in, in 2017? The exact same thing. Didn't we say this last year? We're going, oh, yeah, they're saving everything. They're having opened up the playbook. You know, we'll see. Oh, they're doing this because it's a Western and they're doing it because of SMU. And then part of me wants to go back and go, and then what happened against Notre Dame? Did you not want to open up the playbook and you thought you could skate by this team who was actually ranked? And it's at South Bend, and it's actually a very hostile crowd, and they actually have a very pretty good team. So that part makes you go, well, it didn't work for there. You now you got one loss on your resume because of that. So that kind of makes me go, wait a minute, it doesn't work now because of the very fact you didn't use it against Notre Dame, and I'm glad you brought Notre Dame up because that's the truth. Um, my thing is, is I I get a little bit worried because I'm like, one, are you if you're playing conservative. You should be able to tell if you're playing conservative, but yet here we go. Michigan through one quarter was only what 58 yards passing and 45 yards rushing in the first quarter. And then I think the next time that Michigan even scored was like in the, what the end of the second quarter. I think it was like six minutes left to go in the game. That's when they scored. So that makes me go, you went almost a quarter and a half without scoring or no offense scoring a TD or anything like that. Uh, that's when they started passing and, and setting off the DBs a little bit more from SMU. So that makes me go, the, what are you waiting for? I mean, are you trying to run, 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 wear them out, and then you're going to throw a play action, a play action pass to them to uh, throw off SMU's DBs? That's where I'm going. I don't know. The, I don't know what Jim Harbaugh at times is doing, but to me it seems like is he establishing the run, 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 and then going, okay, well then we're, once we do that, we're going to throw. That, to me, might work for some, but it's not going to work for some of these bigger teams. It's not. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, too, where it's, uh, we go back to, and you and I both agree that they are going to specifically, oh, okay, well, outside of the Notre Dame game, because we still have some head scratchers with that, because right. like we even stated we felt like they didn't even specifically prepare for Notre Dame that they just went in and played for football. right? Yeah. But in the, but you know, especially with games like Ohio state and things like that, that they will specifically scheme for those games. So yes, there will be new play calls, new ways that they play and everything. Um, I don't know if it necessarily was kind of one of those things where uh, the staff was just like, okay, we're going to go in here. We don't have to be flashy. Um, I mean, they did some fla a few flashy things. They absolutely did. They did, uh, you know, I mean, they threw uh, Embry Thomas back in. They they had some great plays for the passing game and everything. So it's not like it was completely um, right bland. But, yeah, as you said, that the, the thing that kind of throws it off is that first quarter where it's just like really against SMU we're sitting here at 0-0 after one quarter of play. Right. Uh, right. And and I understand too, like you said uh, as well, that there was the interception um, where we were about to score. But then, right. uh, but then, I mean, Michigan went through and threw up twenty one points in a quarter in the second quarter. So right. uh, things drastically changed there. So I don't know if it was kind of a testing thing or, like you said, maybe it was wearing them out. Um, Obviously, in the games with bigger opponents, you're not going to be not saying that's really messing around, but, you know, 
taking that simplistic of approach, uh, you're you're gonna go right. there and you're gonna want to punch them in the mouth and you know control the game. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I feel like I'm saying the exact same things I said last year, but <laughs> I'm not. I don't feel like I'm thinking the exact same way. Um, I don't know. I, it's it's very strange. It's very kind of odd to me because. Uh, I mean, maybe partially it's because, you know, we know the offense can do different things this year. Right. And, you know, I don't know if things would be different if Higdon was at running back because they did run Evans the mostly the whole time. And Evans, um, <clears throat> even though he probably could carry the rock the whole entire game, he's not really, you know, a break tackle kind of guy. Um, doesn't really, you know, pound the rock very much as well as Higdon does. But, uh you know, to me, it's, you know, a lot of people were talking and even including me was like, you know, the, we're talking about the offense was very vanilla and very predictable. And I even said that I, I just thought it predictable when I saw them line up. I knew exactly what they were playing and you know, what they were going to run. So that kind of concerns me because you got SMU who's actually got pretty good linebackers at that position. And then Michigan uh maybe at times saying you know what why don't we just wear out these linebackers by pounding the rock and we'll see what happens and this is where it comes down to is harbaugh you know is he playing to smu strengths and wearing out their linebackers possibly of course and you know harbaugh's a smart guy so you know and that's probably what he was going to do i mean i can i can see that in this game you know, now that I look back at it and, and wearing them out and then obviously Shay taking over and throwing the ball to uh, Peoples Jones and, and him getting open on a lot of uh, good plays and a lot, him being pressured and throwing to him and just really uh, doing really, really well. And that really threw off the, uh, the defensive backs for SMU. But yeah, you're right. It's This is one of those things where I'm puzzled by it because I know this can't be, you can't, the game plan that they had for SMU can't be the game plan you're going to have for like, say Michigan state because their defense is much better. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. And I, and I agree with that. So, so I guess this is how I would break it down. I am not concerned about the game plan slash play calling really. Like it was a little bit of a head scratcher. Right. And, uh, it was, um, Odd for it to be zero zero at the end of the first quarter, but I'm not really so much concerned about that because um, whether this it was the plan all along or they really kind of um, it really kind of shook things up with how they uh, lost in South Bend. I really do feel that they're going to game plan specifically and everything, and that they did game plan specifically for right. Western uh, SMU. And that's uh, and so that's why I'm not so concerned about it being, as people say, a vanilla offense because it's just like you know with Western and you know with SMU that you don't have to get flashy. The part of it that does concern me though is the fact that you're playing, and I mentioned this a little bit already. You're playing SMU, and you have your offensive line out there, and they're still not dominant. Right. They right. don't. Uh, uh, and that's the thing is like you don't need them to be dominant. Uh, I mean, uh, you would love it, but you don't need them to be dominant all the time against you know Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Ohio State. 
um, because you game plan around it and everything. But if your starting line cannot yeah. look dominant against Western and SMU, and and this is not play like I said, this is not really going to be play calling. Yes, you you're going to be able to change things a little bit, but if you cannot do simple blocks, like if you're saying if we're saying that the uh, offense is basic and vanilla right now. That mm-hmm. should make it easier for the offensive line. Like, okay, we're not getting flashy. We don't have to remember special stuff. You should just be able to do your job then. Right. And right. they and they they did, but at the same time, they didn't. Because when I was watching the game Saturday, I noticed that most of the time, uh, and I wish I, I could have a number on this, but most of the time when there was a really good, successful passing play, uh, there were a couple that were misdirection kind of thing, like Donovan Peoples-Jones' long long touchdown uh, that he ran down the sideline for. They used uh, Ambry Thomas as a uh, decoy. Um, but another one, uh, another big pla- pass play, which was the pass to Gentry, and I think it was actually uh, right. that went, uh, was the drive that he threw the interception on. But yep. the only reason why he had a pocket was because they kept the running back into block and true Wilson had a monster block in the middle. Yep. He did. And, and that was, that was the, that was the reason it was alive that, that play (laughs) stayed alive. So it's just kind of like, okay, well, yeah, another thing. Yeah. That's going to work with SMU, but you can't have it where most of the time your passing game is successful because you're essentially taking a player out of the offense and putting him on the line to, block now i know that you always have to adjust it because sometimes they put extra guys in the box sometimes they don't sometimes they blitz sometimes they don't and all that stuff but just the fact that even whether it's a blitz or not the most of the time that when you're successful is when you're using your running back to block right that right. raises concern about an offensive line when you're playing a team like smu if we were playing if that if we had this offensive performance and i think everybody of course would agree with this and we were playing like wisconsin or michigan state or ohio state or penn state or something like that and we were able to throw up 45 points but we were we were having to pull people uh and put more on the line and everything like that it's like fine whatever you make adjustments against that but wasn't one of those teams this was smu an oh and three smu team right right exactly now you know yeah exactly having true wilson there is obviously we realize why he's you know third down back or I mean, not third down, but the third string back because he's very good at blocking. The very reason why what you said is he's very phenomenal blocker. So, but you're right. I mean, if you need a running back right there to help your team block better, yeah, it, in in certain instances it does when they're blitzing and things like that, of course. But uh, you're right. If he's in there just to block most of the time because you're having a hard time if your line if your tackles can't block better yeah there's concern there and smu hey got to give it to them they had a good game plan coming out of the gates so i think that uh that uh, what's his name proche and hicks and that combination of throwing ability really threw off our defensive backs and i think our secondary was exposed in this game a little bit uh and i think you know i think what do you have like 166 yards in receiving and two touchdowns. So yeah, uh, it just shows you that they, they are pretty good team. I think we went in thinking they'd be worse than Western and they weren't, they actually played very well. It was a good, uh, game plan by the SMU. Um, 
And um, I think Michigan, I think they knew that they're going to have better success through the air. And that's where I'm thinking, where I understand where this is coming from, because I think Jim Harbaugh and the staff, and, and I'm hoping it's not going to be like 2017 where we're hoping with a better team that has a better offense that we play and it's going to start coming up is are we going to see Shea Patterson more being utilized more and what his strengths are? Is it in the pistol? Is it in something, you know, where he's going to option out a little bit more? We don't know, but it does seem that things are looking up on the offense just because um, people's Jones route running was great. His catchability was great. He finally came out on his own. Uh, he had one, he had his biggest game that game. And I think the connection between Shea and uh, people's Jones is really uh, phenomenal. Um, and I think that's a positive for Michigan right now. Yeah. Could you imagine what it'd be like if Tariq Black was healthy right now? <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, I go, you don't even have the best receiver. In fact, it could be Peoples-Jones at the at the moment and Nico are all, yeah. And I think the thing is, is I, it might look like the staff is starting to see what sh- the ability that Shea Patterson has is you know that one hit that blitz where he they just literally brought the house to him and he got nailed and he had that throw, he just got rocked. But he let that throw go and it's such a good throw. That's what I'm talking about. Last year you never would have saw that happen. It probably went uh, an uh, interception, probably went the other way for a TD and a pick six. But it was a great throw by Shea Patterson that tells you how tough that kid is. And I think, look, we're only two. I think we're, what, one or two touchdowns away from tying last year's uh, passing TDs away from the total. Yeah. And that's shows you right now that our passing game is starting to look up. That's why I'm having – I'm not all in on this offense yet because of the offensive line. I'm not all in, but it, it's looking up. And I'm trying not to jump into the pool, <laughs> like you said, because of last year. But I like what I'm seeing. and. I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan does do better in the passing game. So, yeah. Um, well, I'm going to do this real quick, a quick rundown, I guess. Um, and then I'll have you do the same and chances are, we're probably going to overlap a lot. Um, the, so the best thing I see with offense so far right now is, um, essentially Shea Patterson and what he's able to do with the passing game. Yeah. Um, Decision-making, being able to keep the play alive with moving around the pocket. Uh, He's got a great awareness and everything. Probably the most concerning thing about the offense is I won't even specifically say the, um, the offensive line, but I will go further and say that it's probably more the run blocking than the pass blocking. Yeah. Because, Evans, good. yeah, Evans and Wilson, uh, Wilson are good enough to bust open some good runs, uh, with some good holes to run through, and yeah, the offensive line, uh, I'll still say that they're doing better than they did last year, but with two backs like that, and with playing teams like Western and SMU, you should be able to create those gaps. So that 
that I think is probably the most concerning part um, to get in specifics. Uh, with the defense, probably the best part. Um, Bush did great. Yeah, I would just go straight yeah. to linebacker linebackers. Yep. Um, and then the concerning part would be like you mentioned the secondary. It got yep. exposed. Uh, hopefully, it was just like a mental breakdown, and that doesn't happen again, and that it's not a huge ongoing issue but we've seen other problems come up as well but something that i want to mention quickly about the defense too before i hand it off to you to have you kind of share your thoughts about the uh best and the worst of offense and defense um the uh this defense is not what it was last year uh and we've mentioned that before anyways but Mm -hmm. it's and i mentioned it probably almost before every game where it's just like, okay, our defense can get penetration past the, their offensive line, but we always have to be careful about not getting behind the quarterback. Right. And something that you see now is that they won't get behind the quarterback, but they'll get, they'll get stuck on the sides, which isn't too bad because you're essentially, especially with a mobile quarterback, you, you try to keep them so that they don't do crazy outside runs. But then the weakness gets exposed in the center of the defensive line for Michigan where it's wide open. So then if you have that mobile quarterback, they'll just be like, okay, they're protecting me. I don't have anything to pass. I can't go left or right, but Hey, look at this nice lane right down the middle of the field. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. So, and of course it's another thing too, where, um, you know, I, I believe as well that the defense is going to scheme differently, too, with some things moving forward. I'm not necessarily going to say uh, that there's going to be a huge revamp with doing zone defense and everything is what some people may have been saying. But they'll scheme differently and uh, maybe be able to clean some stuff up. But, again, that's kind of one of those things kind of reflected in the offensive line where it's just like if you can't do it better against SMU, you're probably not going to see a huge difference a huge increase in productivity when you start playing other teams like Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan State. Right. No, you're right. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's some issues with this team, you know, like you're talking about the secondary is a little bit exposed to big playability. You know, I think there's a lot of third downs um, that they uh, SMU were able to get that uh, DBs um, like you're talking about, what did Evans, what was his average running? Was he like 2.5 or 4 runs, his average run? Uh, His, oh, why am so, I not getting an average? I don't know what it was. I think it's around that. But that's, it's not very good. I mean, that's, that's not good. That just tells you your front line's not getting uh, the push that they need, especially against SMU. Yeah, we did talk about their um, linebackers being really good. SMU's got a pretty good defense line, but not not against this offensive line. We're Michigan. We should be pushing them around. We didn't do that like you were talking about. Uh, that has me concerned. So, um, but, Oh, he, uh, was, he was averaging 4.7 for that game. Was it? Okay. I thought it was it too, but uh, I might be wrong. But, um, yeah, I, you know. They did good. I like I like what I saw from True Wilson. I think he's a you know great blocker. I think they might use him a little bit more. That Higdon has you know I think he was hurt during this game, but uh, 
Uh, I like when I, what I saw from um, Donovan Peoples Jones. He was his route running was great. I like what I saw from Shea Bush. So on the defense was a monster. He was great. Dude had seven tackles, uh, five solo tackles. Um, he was all over the field. It was really good to see, and also was really good to see um, uh, the young. Somebody that nobody talks about is Nordine. Seeing the special teams, seeing him uh, get his field goals was really good to see because uh, I was a little bit worried about him. <laughs> and good to see him uh, do well in this game, too. So a lot of positives. A few little things that are concerning, like you were talking about in the first quarter and second quarter. It seems like this team takes a little bit while to get – takes. you know, we I think Michigan and you and I were talking about we want to see this – team role in the beginning you know exert themselves literally like we did with western um run i think we want to see that healthy balance between passing and running and able to dominate teams and we should have with this team but uh gotta hand it to smu they had a pretty good game plan and did well yeah and uh, and I think you can agree with me on this too it's not like we're saying oh no you know Michigan's gonna be Right, having a terrible record this year. It's just kind of like you know, you're playing SMU. There are some things that aren't going so well. You feel like playing a team like SMU, you would see a little bit better product. But anyway, so we're just uh, we're just sharing some of that information. Um, crap, what was? Oh yeah. Um, no, I'll get to that here in a second. Uh, we do have a voicemail. I kind of forgot. Usually we do those at the beginning, but I want to make sure that we get to it here. So let's do a voicemail, and then we'll kind of do a review of uh, some of the stuff that we did in the preview episode. Uh, so let's get this voicemail here. We've got one this week after the Michigan SMU game. As I pull up the voicemail, because Google Voice is always so slow. Uh, okay. All right, so here's our uh, voicemail. Yo, man, Stephen Brown, uh, Mr. Darrell Lansing. Man, I don't know. Stop asking me that. Um, Caleb, Craig, you know who you are. Yeah, man, uh, 45, 20, jump right into it. 20 is still a lot. It's way too much. Uh Gotta get those tackles replaced, man. Gotta get Runyon Jr. out of there. Gotta get, gotta get JBB out of there, man. I mean, we're just gonna be real. I mean, there's it, no point in, in making excuses for these guys when they've been there three, four years. There's just no point anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. It would be different if they were freshmen. Well, actually it wouldn't be because Mayfield is a freshman. And, uh, Hudson was a sophomore, redshirt freshman or a sophomore. So, I, you know, no, man. You, I mean, you know, we've seen Wisconsin's just not that good. You know, by, by that Wisconsin game, these guys should be starting. Mayfield is an animal. you got to let him loose. Um, you know, I don't know what was up with Higdon. I think he had an injury today. Evans, nah, he had no kid to touchdown. But, man, Shea Patterson, I thought he wasn't I thought he wasn't good. You know, when you let some old Miss fans tell it. I mean, they, but they got their dose of uh, get right today. I mean, Alabama just, man, beat some of those boys. Good grief, man. I, I think the last time someone was beating that bad was by their parents. But 
It is what it is, man. Shea Pat, we finally have a real quarterback doing this thing. I like some of the throws. I did see the highlights. DPJ is starting, starting to play like a five-star wide receiver. I don't know what happened to Nico today. The tight ends got involved. I mean, just, just total involvement. It's going to be different when Tariq gets back. But they're really going to be untouchable then because who's going to be able to guard that much speed and that much height? So, um, all-around quality win, good win. Nebraska, I mean, <laughs> dang. I mean, it's going to be a tough year for Scott Frost, but, you know, they'll eventually get it turned around. Just won't be next week, I'll tell you that much. Um, yeah, Michigan should beat them pretty handily. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be a decimation, but it should be 14 to 17 points, if not more. I mean, Shea Patterson is the real deal. It's good to see Michigan finally have a good quarterback after years of not having one. Um, but hey, quality went 45-20. Shouldn't have allowed 20 points, but it is what it is. So I'm going to get back to watching this TCU-Ohio State game. And Wisconsin, coming for you guys, man. Michigan State, all up, man. It's Michigan. Michigan's going to do some damage. Wait till Tariq gets back. But, yeah, man. I mean, Ohio State's just not that good, man. Oh, I'm running out of time. Go Blue. <laughs> Thanks, Steven. Appreciate yeah. that. Uh, always appreciate your calls. Uh, yeah, no, there was uh, – so he's touched on some of the stuff that we've already touched on uh, as we mentioned and everything. Well, yeah, talking about the tackles, yeah. I mean, it's concerning, and no no doubt about it. I mean, those those two key positions you're talking about on those uh, on that on the left and the right side, and if uh, you're not doing <laughs> – when you get a pass rush – you, you, those positions are key to um, giving the quarterback much uh, time, a little bit of time. You don't need much. Shea Patterson's good. You just give, need to give him just a tad bit more time. And I tell you, this team would be really, really, really good. Um, it's those two positions right there, that right and left tackle, that are concerning. It's, it still is, so. Yeah. Well, uh, this is what I thought of uh, earlier when I was saying something about receivers, Donovan Peoples-Jones and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I know I said something like this uh, last week with Evans, and I kind of feel, and of course they wouldn't have, but it's just kind of like they should have <laughs> taken uh, DPJ out uh, because uh, he at one point was, I think, um, at one point he was three for three for touch and all for yeah. touchdowns. Yeah. And so it's just like, pull him out. Let him have the perfect game, man. I mean, you, you can't beat some stats like that, but he finished with four receptions, uh, three touchdowns and uh, only 90 yards. And so that comes back to, I want to review some of the stuff that we had in the preview episode. Um, lock it or dump it. We had uh Michigan wide receiver. will have a hundred plus yards. The uh, the fans spoke eighty eight percent locked it in and that was ten yards short. Short, <laughs> God, yep. so yeah. short on these. And uh, and just to let you know too, you locked that in. So I did, yeah, yeah. But um, uh. so then the uh, other one though was uh, the Michigan defense will have 11 or more sacks tackles for loss. They got so close. Like I said, the first week they, uh, with Notre Dame, they had nine last week. They had 10 and they did a repeat with 10 this week. Um, our third and final one was Michigan will hold SMU under 200 total yards. 80% of the 
uh, fans voted to lock it in, and that completely blew up. Um, unfortunately, because yeah, that that number number two is kind of staggering when you look at it. Because for the total yards, then Michigan was able to put up four thirty four, but they allowed SMU to put up three hundred nineteen yards. Yeah. Now I don't know if this is. I don't think it is. Are penalty yards included in that? I don't know. That's a good question. Because here's something else that we haven't discussed yet that we definitely have to at least take a minute to talk about. Um, Michigan had 13 penalties for 137 yards. You know, we rank almost dead last. You know, we rank at the very bottom almost. Yeah. Now, I will say this. Incredible, man. Partially through that game, I was just like, dude, this is bad. Then by the end of it, though, I was just like, okay, these refs suck. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was, yeah, some of this. I mean, we had another targeting call. This is our second targeting call. Yeah. And and kicked out out of the game. Yep. And (laughs) uh, Hudson Hudson will will not... I believe he's not going to be playing. I think the first half of the next game against um, Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska. Yeah, he'll be out. So, yep. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm. Would we rank 117th out of 129 teams? Yeah, that's what I saw, and I went, "Wow, that's crazy, man." Yeah, no, it's it's. <laughs> so you, you wonder why Michigan fans are so in, infuriated. Oh yeah, and no, and so this it's, actually kind of develops into something more. Uh, to discuss and everything. So, yeah, so we talked about there was bad officiating. Yeah, we're not going to necessarily say that that <clears throat> is the reason why SMU had so many points. Mi- Michigan caused it so that SMU had points from some of them. Uh, some of the past interference was Michigan's fault. Michigan oh, yeah. had some really bad exploited play. The 50 yards of receiving touchdown was terrible. Um, that was all in Michigan and everything. Tar- uh, the targeting was a mess. A couple yeah. of other things were a mess. Um, and was this the week with the late hit out of bounds? I don't know. Anyways, it's just some dumb disciplinary stuff. Uh, it it shouldn't have been as bad as it was because they should have been more disciplined, but some of them were just idiot calls by the refs. Um, so this actually brings up a discussion that I wanted to have. Hopefully it doesn't build into anything too long. But um, by I tweeted out, um, I was in the box and I was watching, and I, I, I don't even know. I don't watch the sideline very much. Mm-hmm. Um, usually I'm kind of trying to pay attention to what uh, players are on the field and things like that. But then uh, all of a sudden I took notice, and Harbaugh himself was trying to pump up the crowd. Um, That's great. I, I don't know if you saw it on TV. Oh, mm-hmm. Um, But, yeah, he was, uh, he was like – raising his hands, you know, and it was, it was in the, uh, near the beginning of the fourth quarter. I remember this very specifically. Uh, I think uh, it was uh, 45 to 13 or, you know, something like that, 42 to 13. And so uh, it wasn't, it was never really a point where the game was close or anything, but uh, SMU was uh, just on their, uh, the Michigan side of the field. So it wasn't like a goal line stand or anything. It was not a fourth down or third down, uh, but he was just trying to get the crowd into the game and other football staff members were trying to do it too. 
And I wasn't the only one who took notice of it because I saw somebody else uh, mention something and saying that it was dead quiet when the defense was on the field. Yeah. And I was just like, man, this is, you know, uh, what what's the point of having home home field advantage? Right. If there's no advantage to having your home field, if it's quiet and doesn't do anything, what? So you're playing in front of 110,000 people. If there's no uh, noise, no intimidation or anything, yeah. there's, there's no home field advantage. Yeah, and you talk about the 12th man at Texas A&M. I mean, the 12th man is the crowd. And so that's why I'm like, I'll tell you what. One of the things I think Michigan fans, I don't know what it is collectively or what's going on, but um, I've noticed, too, um, let's say we go play at Michigan State. Every time we play Michigan State, one of the things I make it a habit of doing is make sure I notice the sidelines on what's our team doing when they're off, um, you know, just sitting there on the bench or doing whatever. And it's always Michigan state seems to be jumping up and down and getting their people, their students or whoever's traveled going. And our team seems to be walking around doing, not doing much. And I'm like, you know what? We need that leadership that uh, it shouldn't be Harbaugh doing it. It should be, Guys on the team getting this crowd, getting pumped up, saying, look, man, we're whipping this team. Let's get going. And that's why I think Michigan has lacked in oh, quite a long time is a leader that actually gets this team pumped up. It doesn't even have to be like uh, the best player. It just has to be a player that gets this team going, has that um, drive, that spirit going for Michigan football. So, Yeah, no, and, and I agree. And I think this is a bigger conversation than – yeah. What we've already alluded to, because, um, yeah, you're right. Uh, the the team demeanor on the sideline can be like that, um, but the things with the the fans too on getting into the game, and that's where the um, the officiating came into this. Because I kind of put that question out there, and it was just or stating that out there, and like how quiet it was in the stadium because you can hear when the crowd gets into it. And there, uh, the only time that I really heard it was whenever SMU was down by, uh, you know, within the red zone. Then people were like, "Oh, okay, now, now we're supposed to do something." Right. Um, but uh, people were commenting that officiating really screwed things up, and and I can agree with this to a certain degree, where it's just like, you know, it was a long game because it was so slow. They reviewed so many things. There were so many penalties, uh, and so the officiating kind of screwed. Th- things up that way but then i also saw other people saying um it's hard to get excited about um a game when you're supposed to be blowing the team out and i'm just like well first of all i'm gonna come out here and say this if that's your mindset i think that that's pretty uh pretty sad because you see some of these teams you see northwestern when they're down by like multiple touchdowns you see other play. I mean, you could go to the small Big Ten schools. You could go to the Big Ten, uh, Big Ten schools, and their student section and their fans are going crazy. The noise is um, a factor in the game. The Auburn? What? Yeah, Auburn. Uh, you should have seen the Auburn fan section. It was crazy, and they they lost, but they were still nuts. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and see that's that's that whole thing where it comes into home field advantage. Right. Because the crowd gets into it and the crowd causes a disturbance with the noise and everything 
for the opposing offense and everything like that. I mean, do you see as Michigan being a hostile crowd? Like, no. Hostile, like in, you know, violent or anything. But I'm saying you go in there and you're like, it's going to be tough. This is not like Texas A&M where they have the 12th man or, you know, Bama or South Bend, you know, yeah. even the horseshoe. Do you see Michigan, the big house, being that? Unless it's Michigan State or Ohio State, no, I don't see it. Right. Now, of I course, part, I don't. part I don't. of the – Part of the issue is that it's a huge bowl. So even if the crowd gets loud, it's not going to hold in a lot of the sound. But still, I mean, if you have 110,000 people, that should still be freaking loud. I agree. So so there is that much with that. But if you're saying that you cannot cheer or you cannot get into the game because you feel like they should be blowing this team out more – it's just like if you can only be vocal because there were you could definitely te- tell, especially in the first quarter when people were unhappy because you vocally heard it. Oh yeah, I heard. I heard you know some of the announcers saying that you know, wow, in the Michigan, you can kind of see the rumbling of boos going or in the ver- obviously in the first quarter with Michigan. Yeah. So if so. if you feel if people feel and fans feel that they can do that and they can make that much noise when they're unhappy then when the team needs you or when the especially when the defense is on the field when you can be a factor when you yeah. could actually contribute to this game and quote unquote help this team you should at least do something well i think this team i mean you're right and i think this team feeds off the fan base i mean when you get a, a tough crowd is just cheering like crazy they're going to get pumped up for them, for you you know to make a good play to change things around momentum uh, shift all things like that, you know. And if I tell you, man, I'm t- if you think fans don't affect the team, the other team, it does. And I think you know, Michigan, you and I won't be able to change a hundred, you know, over a hundred ten thousand people. But, um, but we also, but we can, you know, maybe get people, you know, maybe change a little bit of people to change, you know, maybe their attitude, the way they think about the game, that it does matter. Yeah. Now, here, here's a couple other things that people said to me. One thing to take into account is um, obviously Michigan has a great alumni base and Michigan football ha- goes back forever. And so there are going to be some of those fans. There are going to be some of those uh, longtime season ticket holders that, let's face it, you know, they're older. So they're not going to be getting into the games as well. Uh, or as as well, sorry, as much as, you know, some of the younger crowd. And so by me saying this, by all means, I'm not here to say, I, I, I tweeted something out about it and I kind of apologize now. I don't ever like lumping everyone together or doing, you know, stereotypical things or whatever or stereotyping um, because I, I'll ha- I, I always have to hand it out. Uh, he's vocal on Twitter and I can only imagine what he is at a game, but uh, Tom Malden, uh, he's at true blue to M 65. Um, uh, we were in the conversation about how there's a lot of older fans in the, in the stadium. And he just went on and was just like, there is an old guy in section 10 doesn't sit down on defense and makes a lot of noise goes go blue. Um, so by all means, I know that there's some, but typically I would say at a Michigan game, you're probably going to have a larger percentage of older fans than you would at most other stadiums. Right. Because of the alumni base. So, so that's a factor. I get that. But then uh, the thing that's a little surprising to me that I heard that I've, uh, that I've never really seen this before, but a lot of people were just like, 
if you stand and cheer in certain sections, they said, people will tell you to sit down. And some people have said that they've actually had security called on them. <laughs> really? Yeah. And wow. that that shocked me. I was just like, are you yeah. serious? So essentially, we're sabotaging ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. This well, so and, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I think, well, I'll kind of play devil's advocate. I think um I think maybe a contributing factor to why the fan base it it wasn't it didn't used to be this way but i would have to say and i'm thinking about a mulling over in my head i would have to say what is the reason for it to me it might be and i'm not saying it's a good excuse or not but i think it might be the fact is michigan is historically one of the best programs in the country has the biggest fan base in the country the biggest stadium the biggest crowds and I think Michigan at this point, Michigan fan base isn't used to all those factors come along. And then you think Michigan has played mediocre, you know, for years and years and years. We've been beat by Coach D'Antoni. We've been beat by Urban Meyer. Um, you know, there's been maybe a couple handful of close games, but then we've been blown out. Um we should be beating Michigan State. We should be beating Wisconsin. And there's, those games, in fact, we're not winning. And I think it might be the fact is I think if Michigan was making those games interesting and, and the competition was better, I think that we might see a little bit more of the fans cheering. But if we're having a hard time beating Cincinnati and Air Force and things like that, I think that's what you're starting to see is a crowd going – man, we should be blowing out these teams and then making a good game out of OSU, but we're not. So yeah, maybe yeah. that. Yes and no, because any time that we've played Michigan State, we either uh, handily beat them at Michigan State or the two times that we lost at home were extremely close games. Well, right, exactly. So right. they should have been cheering their butts off. But then also, I feel like you're getting into the realm of fair weather fans where it's just like, right. if my t- if my team's right. not doing well, then I'm not going to support them. Right. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. I know that. Which, it, which if anything, we've seen over the past couple of years, things are finally fun, exciting, and good for Michigan football. Yeah, sure, there have been embarrassing moments with a botched punt and terrible weather losing a game and getting a terrible call on uh, a fourth down spot and things like that. But outside of that, I mean, you're competing. You're beating some good teams. We beat Wisconsin, exciting fashion, uh, with the t- uh, the interception. It was a relatively close game, even it was in Wisconsin last year for duration of the game and everything. And it's just like, you know, it, there's still stuff to be excited about. And oh yeah, if yep. you can't be excited now, what you're gonna say that you're only gonna cheer and support the team when? after big 10 titles been won or something i i don't know i just so i cheered i cheered when even when brady hope even he frustrated the hell out of me i still cheered him on because there's michigan will always have these dynamic players that do great things so yeah and and i get it and i know it's up and down and everything and you'll get frustrated uh everybody's gonna get frustrated at some point and everything but at least in the least you know home field advantage defense trying to be a noise factor in everything. And for people to say 
that they have essentially, you know, been told to sit down, be quiet, or have That's security crazy. called on them. That is really ridiculous because it's just kind of like, first of all, this is a sporting event. Do you understand what sports are if right. you are not thinking that people should stand or cheer? Yeah. Um, I've been in some sections where we're standing and cheering, and there's, uh, there were, I do remember specifically one time that there was a, an older lady who's sitting nearby who probably wasn't able to get up on her, her feet a whole lot because of her age. But, you know, it was what it was. She just took it for what it was because she could still be there and enjoy the game. Right. Um, and so it's just like, you know, those are some – if you want to be where you can control and you're not going to have to worry about somebody standing in front of you and you don't want there to be a noise factor or something around you for whatever unknown ridiculous reason that is – then go and get yourself a suite. <laughs> right. Get like, a special section for you. Yeah, right? like honestly, or watch the game at home because like what what do you expect from watching a game in a stadium? Or you can be in the nosebleed, like, you know, the way at the very top at the you know, where the very top row. Yeah. Getting anybody in your way. <laughs> so Yeah, so I just I just do I, I don't get it. I I don't I agree. Get it. Yep. Because we're essentially shooting ourselves in the foot because there there is no and people I saw some people comparing Big Ten fans uh to SEC fans and I know everybody knocks on the SEC on being like, Hey, you know, you're really not the best conference, you just have one really good team, whatever. Outside of conference, I don't think it's really much of a question at all that the SEC has the most intense fan base. They do. Like within no, agree, with it okay. like and constituting that as a as a quote-unquote good thing because they get into the games oh yeah i agree they do they have great passion well plus you know those a lot of those teams down there and down south don't they don't uh, have any other teams you know in in college football's life there i mean really so good point but i mean it's just like michigan basically doesn't have another team i mean you don't it's not like you can cheer that much for the lines. <laughs> nice. Like that. Dig. So, so, yeah, uh, it, it just that just baffles me. And so I think that's really disappointing that that's kind of a situation that you see there. And I wanted to mention that. I know that took a little, a little bit longer than I wanted to, and so we're running pretty long here. I do want to go through and run through. Uh, do you have anything to add before I kind of do a run through of uh, the last stuff? Or nope. Okay. Uh, so we had uh, the predictions and everything. Uh, Craig, you had fifty-two to six. I had forty-two or forty-nine to zero. Uh, we were both obviously off with that, but you had Michigan um, with the or the over, and you had that right. Uh, I had Nebraska covering, which was a huge flop. You had South Florida over Illinois covering, which uh, yeah. uh, was a 10-point spread, and I think it was only like a six-point game or something like that. So we both lost out on that. Uh, lock and dump, uh, I got two of them right. You had one. So this week is a tie. We both get two points. Uh, the point total through three weeks. Craig, you have eight. I have seven. Um so that is where we stand right now. I believe that is it. Oh, well, oh, crap. I don't really want to get into this discussion, but I do. I really probably should at least go through this because we go through it pretty much every week. 
All right, scoreboard for the Big Ten, real quick. Not a good weekend for the Big Ten. No. Uh, Indiana, bad, Indiana. Bad, bad. Oh, go ahead. No, bad, bad, bad time. Bad, bad, <laughs> bad, bad, bad. bad. Uh, Indiana beat Ball State 38 to 10. Uh, Rutgers lost poorly to Kansas 55 14. Nice. Maryland got rolled by Temple. Oh, what? I said I can't believe Maryland lost that. I almost went for that bet too. I thought you were going to. I know. Uh, Temple rolled Maryland 35-14. Troy, uh, I would call it the upset over Nebraska um, because it was at Nebraska. So Scott Frost 0-2. We'll talk more of that, obviously, as uh, Michigan's going to face off against them. Um, Kent State um, not putting up much of a fight against uh, Penn State 63-10. South Florida taking out Illinois 25-19. Minnesota continues to be undefeated, a 26-3 victory over Miami of Ohio. Wisconsin with the big loss uh, at home against BYU, 24-21, so that was a surprise there. Uh, Iowa playing Northern Iowa, uh, pretty big victory, or sound victory there, 38-14. Northwestern lost a close one to Akron, uh, Akron of all places, uh, 34-39. Purdue lost a close one to Missouri, 37 to 40. And then the night game, Ohio State wound up taking out TCU, uh, pulling away later in the game, 40 to 28. So there. Yeah. Yeah. Some crazy, some crazy games that I never thought uh, would happen, but they did. I mean, Wisconsin losing was crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, not a good weekend for the Big Ten. Nope. Nope. But, uh, but yeah, I think we're going to finish there. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We know this was a little bit longer. We'll have the preview for Nebraska coming up. Uh, as always, we always appreciate you guys tuning in and uh, hanging out with us. We hope that you guys wind up having a good week. Uh, and until next time, go blue. Go blue.